With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, welcome everybody to another edition of the Grueling Truths Tuesday Night Boxing Show. Um, brought to you by Gridiron Mo, a new interactive football app where you get to call what you think the offense or defense should do during a live NFL game. Plus, you get to see what all the other fans called also and compare it. Check out the app now at gridironmo.com. As always, I'm your host, Mike Goodpaster. We've had some change of plans tonight. Paul Williams got held up. Can't get, can't get into the show right now. He's still trying to get on before we're done. So we needed a backup guest. Um, my co-host, Joe Rodriguez, who's usually on, can't make it tonight either. He's caught in an airport somewhere in D.C. watching a Mets game or something. So uh, we needed a backup guest, so we got one. We got Dave Sadursky, who writes for Ringside Report and Mythical Boxing. He's on to talk about his latest project. How you doing tonight, Dave? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks for inviting me on. Hey, no problem. So what's your latest thing you're working on? And then totally unprepared, we'll just talk about it. Okay, um, fair enough, totally unprepared. Um, so um, so a couple of different projects. Um, for for ringsidereport.com, we have um, a, uh, a, three, a trilogy um, between um, Rocky Marciano and um, Sonny Liston, Joe Frazier, and Larry Holmes, um, which we're currently working on. Um, Marciano and Liston and Frazier are posted. Um, Marciano and Holmes are forthcoming. So I had Marciano um, getting his ass kicked basically early against Liston, but um, rallying to uh, score a ninth-round knockout. Um, and I had Frazier beating Marciano um, in an absolute war by a TKO in the 14th. Well, I, I disagree with the first one, I think. You said Marciano beat Liston. Yes. My problem with that would be Liston's jab and Marciano cutting easy. In the 1970s or later, I think you're probably wrong because they probably would have stopped the fight on cuts. But <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead, continue. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it, it's one that could have gone either way. Um, I, you know, in the end, I think Sonny... If it ends early, it's going to be Sonny Liston. Um, Marciano was in great danger of being stopped early within the first three or four rounds, but if he gets past that, watch out. Um, and in the end, um, I look at the, the two fighters' relative responses to adversity, and if it gets to be a dogfight, I, I just... Marciano is way more hard, and he's also a dangerous puncher. So that's why I pick Marciano. Yeah. Well, I think Holmes whoops all of them, but we'll see how that goes. I might have to bring you back on and give you trouble if you got Holmes losing in him. <laughs> We're not going to give that one, get that one away just yet. <laughs> now, what's your other project? I know I'm very interested in your other project. Go ahead oh, and tell yeah. everybody about that a little bit. Okay. Um, so I have been actually over the past um, several months working on um, a top 100 uh, boxers of all time series 
um, for Mythical Boxing, um, both my um, group on Facebook and um, also I have a website as well, uh, mythicalboxing.weblease.com. And we're at the the point where um, I am going to post numbers 20 through 11 um, a little later tonight. Okay, so everybody here gets a little bit of a glimpse of that beforehand. So. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, what was your criteria to come up with the list? Uh, the criteria was, um, I, I think that my criteria was, first of all, um, dominance. Um I looked at how highly res- was the fighter regarded within his division and pound for pound during his peak years, how special and unique was his reign at the top of the boxing world, um, quality of opposition, which I think is especially important, um, who were the quality fighters he faced, um, how did he fare against the best fighters of his era, and basically did the fighter bring his A game out against the best the best opponents of his era. Um, talent, skills, um, you know, that's important too, obviously. Longevity, um, how, you know, how much staying power did the fighter have? Um, and I think the other, the other make or break factor is, you know, what did you do in the face of adversity? When, you know, it was re- when it was really on the line, when he had to dig down, like, Ray Leonard had to do against Tommy Hearns in September of 1981. Um, you know, did the fighter fold under that pressure, or did it bring out the best in him? So Mike Tyson's not on the list, is what you're telling me? No. Mike Tyson is one of my uh, top ten controversial omissions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's controversial if you got overcoming adversity is one of the criteria. So, because I don't yeah. think he ever did that, but he overcame it by biting somebody's ear and getting out of the fight. But, <laughs> all right, so let's go. What's your number twenty? Carlos Monzon. Um, just yeah, the guy is uh, one of the five greatest middleweights who ever lived. Yeah. Um, Defeated numerous Hall of Famers, including Emil Griffith, um, Napolese, um, Nino Benvenuti. Um, he beat Rodrigo Valdez twice, who I think belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, he won and drew against Benny Briscoe, who I also believe belongs in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Benny Briscoe's um, a really good fighter. And... Yeah, his record was 87-3-9. and nine. Um, He was unbeaten over the last 13 years of his career. He's one of the top three fighters of the 70s, and he definitely, yeah, he definitely belongs along the top, among the top 20. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Dave. So give me something I can argue with. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your number 19? We know that's coming soon. Um, well, we're hoping, no, yeah, because this will get yeah. boring if I just say, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Dave. Well, you can't mention Carlos Monzon without mentioning his uh, predecessor as dominant middleweight champion, and that's marvelous Marvin Hagler. Um, I personally, you know, Personally, as 
you know, a fellow Massachusetts guy. I've always been a big fan of Marvelous Marvin. He was a true throwback. Um, his record was 62-3-2, and 52 KOs, but it easily could have been 66-1. Yeah. Um, the only clear loss on his record was to Willie Dewar Monroe in 1976. Yeah, and then he came back and destroyed Monroe in a rematch, I believe. He did, yes. And, you know, he reigned for about six and a half years. He defended 12 times. Um, he... You know, I think his legacy-defining fight was um, the 1985 showdown with Tommy Hearns, who I think is historically underrated and who, and who I have number 31 on my list. Yeah, well, I think he's um, underrated, too. I think a lot of people forget how great he was. And really, in his prime, only great guys beat him. I mean, Iran Barkley got a punch in on him, but I mean, he was a great fighter also. Yeah, it was just it was just Leonard and, and Hagel that really beat him when he was at his best, and how can you fault him for that? Yeah, um, I think a lot of Hagler's problem is, really, his division was not that great while he was the champion. Same thing that hurts Larry Holmes a little bit. I mean, sure. you had tough guys like Juan Roldan, Mustafa Hamshow, John Mugabe, but he never really got a chance to fight great fighters outside of Hearns and Leonard, and I still think he beat Leonard, but I don't know if you agree with that or not, but... I I would love to score that one a drawer, actually. Um, every time I watch that fight, I come up with a different score. Um, Marvin Lee is the harder punches. Um, Ray was a little more um, impressive in terms of ring general, generalship. And in the end, if it was close, Marvin was never going to get the edge. No, um, and really, and I mean, let's face it. I mean, he, they should have fought around 83. Leonard waited until he got old. Sure, sure. Although, yeah, Ray was no spring chicken at that point either. <laughs> but Yeah, but Ray only had like 30 fights, where Hagler had 60-some fights, and Leonard was still a quick boxer. I don't think Hagler was near as fast as what he was. Um, and I think the Mugabe fight took a lot out of Hagler, because that, would, Mugabe landed some shots on him. I would agree. And the agree. thing about Mugabe is this. Mugabe was a dominant fighter until that fight, and I really believe that Hagler ruined Mugabe. I would agree with that, too. And I think, um, yeah, Marvin, you, you could see the sign of, signs of slippage from the Duran fight onward in 1983. Yeah, I mean, Hagler-Hearns, that was basically Hearns standing in front of him and then those guys just punching it out. Yes. I mean, I think Hagler, at his best was probably, you know, the the Hampshire wins, the Simpson win. Even though Simpson wasn't a great fighter, he was a rugged guy that nobody knocked out in the sixth round. And he totally destroyed mm -hmm. Simpson. Hampshire, I mean, he totally destroyed him the second time. So, I mean, I really, I think the downfall of him probably was around 84 or so. And it wasn't really a downfall. It was just I don't think he was quite as good. But if you look at him, the last, what, three years of his career, he only had three fights. I think he fought Hearns in 85, he fought Mugabe in 86, and he fought Leonard in 87. So he wasn't very active either, which could right. have something to do with the lack of sharpness when he fought Leonard because the first four rounds, I thought Leonard won the first four rounds very easily. And then I right. think Hagler kind of picked back up on his style, and I I had him win you know, seven of the, I mean, I had him win seven of the last eight rounds, but... 
I also loved Marvin Hagler and couldn't stand Sugar Ray Leonard, so that might have <laughs> with my scoring also. <laughs> you know, because Jim Lampley all the time scores fights one-sided that make no freaking sense at all also. So yeah. <laughs> if you're a fan of somebody. So I, I think you have Hagler too low. I think he should be higher. I, I think Hagler's a top 15, but not a big argument there. Yeah, I think you could make that argument too. Um, so – Number 18, and you're probably going to think this is too low, um, Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Explain. Um, just obviously, if, if, you're, you know, if you're doing a rating based on historical and social significance, this guy would easily be number one or two, along with Joe yeah, Lewis. Yeah, but you never brought up historical significance on your criteria, I don't think. Right, right. So that's that's irrelevant for these purposes, but yeah, you can't mention his name without, you know, mentioning what he meant historically to the sport. Uh, with Joe Lewis, I don't think you can get any two more historical significant or historically significant fighters. I would agree. I would agree. And without Jack Johnson, there, there's no Joe Lewis. And without Joe Lewis, there's no Muhammad Ali. Well, you know what, though? I think there is a case to be made that because of Jack Johnson you had to wait 20 years to get a Joe Lewis. How because so? I think Jack Johnson did a lot of stuff that pissed a lot of people off and made it harder on African-American boxers to get a chance in the next 20 years. Yeah, I think, yeah. But I think white America was looking for something to be pissed off about. Yeah, but too. Jack did. Jack had no problem pissing him off, so... <laughs> 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 and then you get a guy like Joe Lewis who was quiet, unassuming, and just kind of went about his business. My problem with Jack Johnson being that high is, number one, even though he was an African-American champion, he didn't fight the best African-Americans for the title. You know, he didn't fight the Sam McVeighs, the Joe Giannettis, the Sam Langfords for the title. And those were the best fighters of that day, I believe. Do you agree? I would agree. He fought a lot of them before he won the title, but once he did win the title, he did avoid them. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's... I mean, I just have a hard time getting by that because I think those were the three most significant challengers. And if you look at his career, I mean, what was his biggest win as the heavyweight champion of the world? Um, it would have been probably Stanley Ketchell. Yeah, who was a middleweight, and who knocked him down. Yeah. He did, yeah. But You know, I mean, you had to win against Jeffries. Jeffries, I think, I think a lot of people forget. If you look at Jeffries' record, Jeffries was, I think, wasn't he undefeated or close to it when he fought Johnson? He, I believe he was, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, only had like I mean, 21 he, fights. He, but Yeah, he'd taken off three years. So I think James Jeffries gets a bad rap in the fact that people forced him in to something that, you know, he shouldn't have been doing three years after his career. He was out of shape. And also from right. everything I read, I read, I wrote an article on Sports Rants about the fight. Everything I read on that, or I read a lot of things on the fight where the fight was actually supposed to be fixed and then Johnson changed his mind at the last minute. Because I read how that, I guess, the night before the fight, Jeffries actually paced his hotel room the entire night and never even got any sleep because he knew he couldn't beat Johnson. Yeah, he had no chance in that one. 
Yeah, and I mean, my other thing is this. I mean, you also, if you look at his record, you see a draw against Jack O'Brien, who was really, he was a great light heavyweight, I think. Yes. But he wasn't really a heavyweight. No, no. So, and that I mean, was like... to me, I mean, I, I just think the time he fought in, the three guys that could have made him that high, for some reason, he did not fight. Yeah. Would you put um, Dempsey out of him? Actually, with Dempsey, my problem with Dempsey is the same thing. I mean, the guys that were the best contenders, which were a lot of those same African-American fighters, he did not fight. And the mm. one great fighter that Jack Dempsey fought was Gene dominated two fights and probably won 17 out of the 20 rounds they fought. Yes. So I think this. I mean, I think when you talk historical significance, Jack Dempsey is just like a Joe Lewis a Babe Ruth, a Red Grange, a Jack Johnson, that he is historically significant, but a lot of times historically significant guys, I think, aren't historically significant because of what they did. It's because of the myths surrounding them, just like a Mike Tyson for today. But also, if you look in the 1910s, the 1920s, you know, you might see some grainy black-and-white film at a movie theater, which you didn't see an entire round, you know, because I know I've got a lot of those old DVDs and all those rounds. They'll say all the rounds are here. It's 15 rounds, but it's like a 25-minute fight, which we know doesn't compute, not the same thing. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of that was you didn't really see those guys fight. You heard about those guys fighting. And the writers back in those times are not like they are today, where they wanted to glorify and make these guys even bigger myths because it sold newspapers, if that makes any sense. Right. No, that makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, guys to me that I think were great that I've seen on film back then were guys like Stanley Ketchell. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think it says a lot that Ketchell weighed probably, what, 165 pounds when he fought Johnson? Yes. And he put Johnson on his butt. You know, <laughs> Stanley Ketchell was a great fighter. Um, Harry Grubb was a great fighter. Gene Tunney Definitely. was a great fighter. But the thing Definitely. is this, Tunney and Grubb are guys that get overlooked because they just boxed your ears off. There was no huge knockouts, really, so there was no myth built into them. They just whipped your ass. Where, you know, Jack Johnson had the white girlfriend, he ran across state lines, he ran to Europe. That's a great story. So they build that up even bigger to sell newspapers. Yes. At least that's the way I took it. But, yeah, so I did, I mean, I don't think that Dempsey or him belong on the list. And Dempsey, hell, would he fight once every three years once he was the champion? Yeah, yeah, Dempsey is a little lower on my list. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you got next? We up to 18 or 17? Uh, we're up to 17, and I'm going to get killed for this. Um, Floyd. Floyd is my number 17. Now, what adversity did he overcome to make your list? <laughs> um, that is, that's the reason he's not higher. I, I think he... You know, he's been the dominant fighter in boxing over the last 20 years. Um, He's done some cherry-picking, to be sure. But if I look at his list of opponents, um, you know, there are one, two, there are probably five or six guys who are, you know, either in the Hall of Fame now or will be in the Hall of Fame that he's beaten. Um, His style is boring, but... He's, you know, won the majority of his fights easily. 
easily. And I, I think, you know, the, the Pacquiao matchup definitively separated him from Manny. So I think he he deserves his due. He 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 get he gets the credit gets the credit as an all time great. But well, you know, I think he definitely gets the credit as an all time great. But he's ahead of Marvin Hagler on your list. Marvin Hagler beat Tommy Hearns. He beat Benny Briscoe. Those are two great fighters. Yes, Floyd, and he beat them. I mean Briscoe, nineteen seventy. I mean, he beat them in their prime, basically. So even though Floyd beat four or five guys that might be in the Hall of Fame, did he beat any of them at their best? No. I mean, the only one I could think of is Diego Corrales. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe Cotto. Uh, I don't think Cotto was. I don't think Cotto's been great for the last few years. But Cotto also actually put up a decent fight against him compared to what most people do. Um, but a guy like Juan Manuel Marquez, I think that his career can match with Floyd's. I think this though. His first fight at welterweight, going up 12 pounds, was against Floyd. It's not like Floyd mm-hmm. let him get adjusted to the weight. Floyd jumped on him right then. Not saying by any means that I think Marquez could have went to welterweight and beat him. but And to me, Jose Luis Castillo whipped his ass the first time they fought. That I would agree with. I mean, that fight, to me, I don't even think it was that close. I had a 116-112 for Castillo. So I'm not going to debate that he's an all-time great. I just have a hard time with him being on a list ahead of Marvin Hagler and Carlos Monzon, who, between the two of them, maybe lost three fights out of 160 in their entire career and both beat, you know, I mean, especially Monzon, beat a lot of guys that are Hall of Fame fighters or close to it. And, I mean, Hagler mm-hmm. dominated the middleweight division for a good 10 years, probably counting even before he was the champion of the world, and Monzon did it for another 10 to 13 years. So... Mm-hmm. Not so, that yeah. he's great. I just don't think that he should be ahead of those two guys. Yeah, where would he be on your list? I didn't make a list, Dave, damn it. <laughs> Paul Williams was supposed to call in tonight, and he didn't. So I'm just kind of going off your list. <laughs> I would say he would probably be in the 20 to 30 range. I don't think he'd be any lower okay. than that. I respect everything he's done. It's just it's hard to put him in front of guys like that. Now, I would put him ahead of a guy like Jack Johnson because I think his quality of opposition has been better. I would put him ahead of a Jack Dempsey. Quality of opposition has been better. He's been more active. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one thing about him. He does fight two, three times a year, which is a lot anymore nowadays. But I would like to see him fight a Golovkin. I know it will never happen. But, you know, this is the thing. Jose Napolese, I don't think, was affected negatively by challenging Carlos Monzon. Right. You know, right. I think – Sugar Ray Leonard, even if he loses to Marvin Hagler, that doesn't hurt him. That helps no. him because that you know shows that he's not afraid to put himself out there. Where a lot I, of times I, anymore, guys are afraid to put themselves out there. I, I agree totally. I think yes, yeah, I think Floyd should challenge Triple G if he really wants to be the goat. Yeah, I mean Triple G said he'd come to 154, so it's yeah. not like he has to fight him at 160. So, but it's not going to happen, so I don't even know why we're talking about it. I think there's a better chance in a year or two of Triple G going up and fighting Andre Ward. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. But, Which you know, would probably be a better fight anyways. Because <laughs> Andre Ward, I don't think, is going to run. No, but no. I like Andre Ward. But who, who you got at too. number, where are we at, number 16? Number 16, um, Pernell Whitaker. Oh, good thing we don't have Joe Rodriguez on here, huh? 
<laughs> Why? What would he say? <laughs> Don't you remember when we did our top fighter or top ten fighter since 1970? Joe didn't have him on the list. I had him at like four. Oh, he did? Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's I remember because right. you called in that night. Yeah, that, yeah, I got killed for not having Larry Holmes and Salvador Sanchez on my list. <laughs> yeah, Salvador Sanchez has to be on the list. <laughs> One of the greatest fighters that ever lived. And that was by the time he was 24. Mm. Yeah, well, they, they both have a prominent Where is place. Where's Salvador Sanchez on on this list, by the way? Uh, he is, I believe, fifty-two. You got to be kidding me! And you've got Floyd Mayweather, seventeen. Yeah, yeah. And Salvador Larry Sanchez Holt, beat some really good fighters. He really, he really did. I, I think, and he beat them all in a quick amount of time. Yeah, it's it's hard. You know, he he's a hard guy to rate because he only fought for. What seven eight years, and he died when he was twenty two, twenty three. So he died when I, he was twenty three or twenty four. But the thing is, this yeah. you say he's hard to rate, but he had just as many fights as Mayweather. I that's, mean, I think he had forty four, forty five fights. Mayweather's had forty eight. And if you look at him, I mean, he beat guys who were really good fighters. I mean, he beat Danny Little Red Lopez, who was a champion for I mean more than just one defense. Beat him twice. I think he beat Ruben Castillo, Juan Laporte, Azuma Nelson, who's an all time great. I mean, he beat him early in his career, but, I mean, Azuma Nelson was a champion a couple of years later at most. And mm-hmm. that's just because nobody wanted to mess with him after they saw him with Sanchez. Um, he beat guys like Patrick Ford, Patrick Caudell, who were all solid fighters. Robert Castanone, I think he beat. So. But, well, yes. I'll digress, which you're number 16. <laughs> you already told uh, me, Pernell Whitaker. I've got no disagreement with Pernell Whitaker until I hear the rest of your guys, and I might think Pernell should be higher, because the thing about Pernell is this especially at the end of his career, Purnell overcame adversity. The Diabelli's Hurtado fight, I mean, Hurtado mm-hmm. had him dang near knocked out. He came back and knocked out Hurtado, even though he wasn't known as a big puncher. Yeah. You know, I, and the Oscar De La Hoya fight was a toss-up. I mean, if you look at Whitaker, he never clearly lost a fight until Felix Trinidad, which was way past his prime, because I think you'd probably agree with me that in their prime, I think Purnell Whitaker boxes Felix Trinidad's ears off like Winky Wright did. I, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, and and he goes he goes ahead of Floyd based on um, well it was a draw against Chavez, but that that's ridiculous. No, oh, so that was essentially was a win. Not a draw. That was a eight to four fight. I thought. Yeah, and maybe even a little more lopsided. So. Yeah. Yeah. So he so he gets the nod over Floyd based on based on that. Yeah, plus the fact that he was just better than Floyd, I think. (laughs) I mean, seriously. I mean, the thing about Whitaker is this. He didn't run around as much. He would stand in the pocket and make you miss more than what Mayweather does. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Purnell would stand in front of a guy, and the guy wouldn't touch him. Which Floyd does, too, but not as much. But I couldn't be wrong before. Who's your number 15? Give us something to argue about. Mickey Walker. I thought you were going to say Mickey Ward. I was going to argue that no, one. No, not Mickey Ward. He doesn't belong <laughs> quite that high. <laughs> Maybe Gotti once, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Mickey Walker, and a lot of people probably think he belongs higher. But, um, yeah, the guy fought. Um, the guy started out as a welterweight, and by the end of his career, or you know, he was fighting heavyweights. Yeah, he, he won the welterweight and the middleweight championships of the world, too, I think, didn't he? He did. He did. You know, and he fought to a draw with Jackie, Jack Sharkey, um, who was the heavyweight was champion. Solid at one heavyweight. Point. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, um, you know, certainly plenty of Hall of Famers on his resume. Um, you know, he lost, he lost to Harry Grab. That was a war. <laughs> he but, outpointed. Didn't he beat Jack Britton also? Who was a good fighter. He did. He yeah, to, to win the title, he did. Yeah, and uh, I know he fought know. Harry Grab also. <laughs> Yeah, and he he lost that one in a war, which reportedly spilled over into a barroom after the fight. I mean, I would have loved to have been a ringside, you know, at ringside for that one between those yeah. two guys. I mean, jeez. <laughs> um, but you know, tie, victories over Tiger Flowers is in the Hall of Fame. Um, he split two fights with Maxi Rosenblum. Um, Tommy Lockman. I know he lost yes. a close decision to Lofgren. Lofgren was a great fighter. Yes, yes. Um, you know, he beat Mike McTeague, McTeague twice. Um, you know, a, a bunch of bunch of other guys in the, who were in the Hall of Fame, and he was, you know, he was a pit bull. Yeah, I mean, at heavyweight, I think he beat Jack Sharkey. I think he beat King Levinsky also. And Paulino Yuskundin. Yes. Yes. Who, who I think was a title contender at one point. I think his heavyweight career, if I remember right, ended, I think Max Schmeling knocked him out, didn't he? Yes, I believe, yeah, in eight rounds. In like the yeah. seventh or eighth round, yeah. yeah. He dropped back in weight and lost a 15-round decision to Maxi Rosenblum for the title then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, you know. And then he, re- then he rematched him the next year and won the decision. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. But, yeah, so he... Uh, so, yeah, so he, he was a great fighter. I will agree with that one. Uh, number 14 is the old master, Joe Gans. Okay, Joe Gans. That's uh, I got a fight from 1902 in a bar room between him and who the heck was it? <laughs> Joe Gans and Terry McGovern, I think it was. Oh, wow. Wow, that must have been something. <laughs> It was actually a second-round knockout, which, when I did some research about it, was actually a fixed fight by some gamblers. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, now, now I remember that one. Yeah. Um, so, he, yeah, he held the lightweight title for, for six years, defended 12 times, um, had a record of 158, 12, and 21 with 100 knockouts. Um you know, he defeated guys like Mike Twin Sullivan, Young Griffo, Jack Blackburn, um, Battling Nelson, um, Kid, Kid McPartland. Um, he, you know, a lot of a, a lot of historians have him much higher than 14. Yeah. Um, plus, I believe wasn't his career shortened, or, or was it shortened, or did he retire? Because I know he died of tuberculosis or tuberculosis. Yes. Nineteen ten, uh huh. Which yeah, was not career, too far after his, his last fight, but I think he was. Yeah. I think he was in his like mid thirties then, though, wasn't he? I believe yes, yes. So yeah, he was fairly young still. Yeah. But all right, what you got next? What are we up to? Thirteen. Thirteen. Oh, real quick, real quick. I want to remind people you're listening to Ringside Report writer Dave Sidersky, also with Mythical Boxing. And what was that website again, Dave? Mythicalboxing.webleys.com. Uh, Webleys.com. Oh, That's hard to remember for somebody like me. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, I'm sorry, it, it's Weebleys. Um, 
Weebly. W E E B L Y S. And you can also find him on Facebook with the Mythical Boxing Facebook page also, correct? Hey, didn't James Quick tell us following you now on there? Yeah, he is. He is. thought yeah. I saw that the other day. We need to get James on the show. He's ignored me so far. He shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, you're listening to Dave Sadursky from Ringside Report. We're counting down his list of the top 100 boxers. We're at boxers 20 through 11 today. 20 through 11, yes. 20 through 11 today, and we'll do a show next week to unveil the top 10, so we can disagree with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Grueling Truth. We're on NGSC Sports. Um, you can go to ngscsports.net, I believe it is, or .com, to check out our webpage. Um, you can listen to us on iHeartRadio at NGSC Sports. You can listen to us at iTunes, NGSC Sports, Spreaker, multiple other outlets you can get us on. I um, want to remind everybody that Thursday night we'll have former legendary baseball pitcher from the Dodgers and Yankees, Tommy John. He will be Thursday night. The show will be on around 10 o'clock at night. Um, and remember, The Grueling Truth is now brought to you by Gridiron Mo, new football app. Everybody needs to check it out. Dave, you need to check it out. You'll love it. Um, it's at gridironmo.com, so make sure you check that out. Tomorrow night we will actually have the founder of Gridiron Mo, Eris Presidius, in to talk about his app towards the last 15 minutes of me and Matt Andrew Scavage, my co-host, a- or AFC preview show, preseason AFC preview show. So you want to make sure you check that out too. Gridiron or Gridiron Mo, I think, is an app that's going to take off big time. So just check it out, gridironmo.com. All right, that was a mouthful. Where are we at now? Number <laughs> that was Patriots rule. I know. <laughs> All right, we'll get we'll get back to um, number thirteen is Archie Moore. Um. You know, nearly a 30-year career. His best days were arguably after he was 40. He held the light, the, the light heavyweight title for almost 10 years. Um, defeated Joey Maxson three times. Um, four out of five over Hal Johnson. Four out of five over Jimmy Bivens. Um, victories over Coco Kidd, Holman Williams, um, among others. Um, you know, the only, um, you know, Ezra Charles was a, was a thorn in his side. Well, and, and he fought Rocky Marciano for the heavyweight championship of the world, knocked him down before finally he succumbing did. to Marciano, I think, in the ninth round. He did, yes. So, And yeah. also, just like Archie Moore, my best years were after the age of 40 also, Dave, just so you know. Mine too. Well, I'm trying to say that, but when I try to get out of bed in the morning, my body don't always <laughs> agree with me. But, I mean, how many, and he had 185 wins. 131 by knockout, 23 losses. He fought all the great fighters. His fight against Yvonne Durrell was the fight of the year. What year was that? Like 1959, 1960? Yeah, he was was pushing 50 at that point. (laughs) (laughs) He might have been pushing 60 by then. Yeah. And then he trained. I mean, he helped train boxers like Muhammad Ali for a while. He trained George Foreman, James Quick Tillis, who we just talked about, who follows you on the Mystical Boxing website. Yeah, you know, and then uh, and then Ali actually, I believe, left his camp to join Angelo Dundee after refusing to do the chores that Archie Moore made his fighters do. So yes, yes, yeah, that's I part agree of with Ali. I don't like doing chores either, so I probably would have went with Angelo Dundee too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who wants to when you're young? 
I don't Finally want to now. I'm old. I mean, yeah. right now I got a bunch of dishes my wife wants me to do, so I'm going to have to do them to make her happy, or she's just going to bitch at me for the next three days. So, well, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, Dave. Yeah, yeah, you just got to suck it up. Yep. What's your number twelve? My number twelve. Um, well, you can't mention Archie Moore without mentioning Ezra Charles. I mean. He was, um, you know, he was a champion at heavyweight. Arguably, he, you know, he might be among the top twenty there. Maybe, maybe well, I think not. he's one of the top ten light heavyweights of all time, though. Easily, I, I think he's number one or two at light heavyweight. <laughs> I like Michael Spanks. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, yeah, yeah. My, I think Spinks. Yeah, he belongs in the argument somewhere top well, five. Well, see, Spinks. Uh, the thing to me is the light heavyweight division may have been the best that ever was in the late seventies, early eighties, and Spinks never lost in that division. He didn't, and it's unfortunate that most people remember just remember that one fight with Tyson. Yeah, he's one of the few guys that the fight that defines him is a fight that was probably three, four, five years out of or past his prime and out of his division that he was the best at. Yeah, yeah. He was just he was he was a blown up light heavyweight. It's yeah, not even but I mean, to me, light heavyweight. I I think a guy. Well, you got Harry Greb. Mm-hmm. You got Michael Spanks. You got Archie Moore. You got Bob Foster. I think belongs in the conversation. And Bob Foster's problem was he'd defend his light heavyweight title three times and go get knocked out by a heavyweight and then come back and defend his light heavyweight title again. So I don't think people yeah. really realize how dominant he was. No, he was, he was Ezra, great, Ezra too. Charles is from Cincinnati, too. So Yes, he is. That's in my yeah. neck of the woods. So. Yeah. And I, I'd throw Tunney in the light, light heavyweight conversation, too. Yeah, I forgot about Gene Tunney. But no, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> now, uh, well, hell, as long as, you, as long as it's all right with you, Dave, I feel better. <laughs> that was a smart-ass answer. I'm done, uh, Dave. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, takes one to no one. <laughs> you're a Patriots fan. Everybody knows you're a smartass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> smartass Roger, Roger Goodell sucks. <laughs> Everybody agrees with that, I think, though, outside of Roger Goodell's immediate family. But, yeah, I, I can see what you say. I mean, Ezra Charles, I mean, like I said, you could put him top five light heavyweights, probably put him top 20 heavyweights. Yeah, and, you know, five victories over Joey Maxim, three over Archie Moore, two over Charlie Burley. Jersey Joe Walcott. Um, yep. One, one two out of four, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, even though Joe was past his prime, I mean. Yeah, it'd be Gus Lozinovich, too, didn't he? Yes. Who wasn't a bad fighter. Jimmy Bivens, I think yeah. he beat. Yep, he did. Archie, he beat Archie Moore. He did, three times, yeah. Yeah. So, hey. well, that's why he's ahead of Archie Moore, then, I bet, right? <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, that was that was the turning factor there. Um, and okay, now to number eleven, it's uh, the old Will of the Wisp, Willie Pep. Willie Pep. And, and again, I'm going to get killed for not having you in, in my top ten. But um, you know, well, who's going to kill you? <laughs> some some of the readers once they see this. I don't know. It seems to me like you know you got some really mean ass readers. <laughs> you need to get you a bodyguard. Do you want to yeah, name these really. guys out real quick, yeah. so in case sometimes you just disappear and don't come on the show no more? We know no, where to look. Well, yeah. well, well, I got killed by not having Tyson in the one the top one hundred for one. Yeah, but see, you got killed by a bunch of guys that are under the age of what forty five. You got killed by a bunch of guys between the ages of thirty and fifty that live in their mom's basement. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, and no, they actually. play rap music and walk around in the basement like they're Mike Tyson coming out for a fight. <laughs> That's just a but, guess, though. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I've never met an intelligent boxing fan that thought Mike Tyson was in the top anything. So, I mean, you face it. What was Mike Tyson's greatest win? That's what I always ask people. And they always come up, well, he beat Tony Tucker. <laughs> or he beat Michael Spinks, or remember that time he beat Razor Ruddick. Now, that's what I get the most is we beat Razor Ruddick twice. But these are the same people when you bring up the fact that he beat Buster, that Buster Douglas beat him, they'll say, well, that was past his prime. The problem with that is Razor Ruddick he beat like a year or two after. Mm-hmm. He lost to Buster Douglas. I mean, it's the only yeah. boxer I've ever seen that his prime was from 1985 to 1987 or 1988. Yeah. And, I mean, they yeah. talk about, well, Holyfield and Lewis beat him, but he was shot. And I'm pretty sure that he was younger than Holyfield and Lewis. No, he was. Yeah. Yeah, I believe he was. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and, I, I think this. I have to go out on my Mike Tyson rangit, tangent because that's just the way it is. What we need to do is we need to get a couple of these guys that bully you, and we need to bring them on the show to defend Mike Tyson. <laughs> and any time you want to invite them to do that, let's do it. <laughs> Fair enough. And I have to say, in all fairness, you know, the majority of the, the response to the series has been incredibly positive. <laughs> well, because there's just like a small majority of Mike Tyson fans. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to please everybody. So and let's see. Yeah. He's a myth. He's one of those myths. Yeah. He, he, you have to separate the myth and the, uh, you know, he was the most popular fighter in the sport. And let's face it, Trevor Burbick was considered washed up by about 83 or 84. He got the one big mm-hmm. upset to win the heavyweight title. I can't remember who he beat. Was it Pinklin Thomas? It was Pinklin Thomas, yes. It was Pinklin Thomas. It was all coked up at the time anyways, probably. That's how he got the title. I mean, yeah. Trevor Burbick was a solid heavyweight up until about 1983. But by solid, I mean, he could take a good beating, and if you wore out, he might be able to beat you at the end. I mean, he beat guys like John Tate, who couldn't take a punch. You know, he beat Muhammad Ali, who was 39, 40 years old, and completely Mm -hmm. washed up. Probably Trevor Burbick's best performance was losing a 15-round unanimous decision to Larry Holmes. Yes. In a fight that he lost probably 11 to 4, but since people thought he would get knocked out, everybody thought he did great. Exactly. And, yeah, Mike had nine defenses. And, I mean, how do you differentiate a guy like Mike from, you know, somebody like Pepino Cuevas, who was additionally devastating back in the 70s? You know, actually, I think that's a really good comparison. Yeah. Yeah, the one difference is, you know, Cuevas didn't unify the title, but, other than that, if you know if people line up the stats side by side, uh, I I think they'd be roughly comparable, if not in favor of Cuevas. Well, at least Cuevas beat guys like Randy Shields and Pete Ranzani, who were solid good fighters. Yes. You know, I I think that those guys were better fighters than the Tony Tuckers and Michael Spinks. If yeah. you remember, he goes into that fight against Tyson with a knee brace on each knee. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was pretty much done. I mean, he beat Jerry Cooney, but Jerry Cooney, I mean, let's face it, he was an alcoholic at the time. Yeah. So it's not like he was in shape, and I don't think there's much doubt that a Jerry Cooney, held a Cooney that fought Foreman in 1990 probably beats Michael Spinks in 1987. Hmm. Because the hmm. one thing, Foreman, if you listen to the interviews, they asked Foreman, who hits you harder than anybody else? He said Jerry Cooney. Yeah, Jerry Jerry could certainly hit. I mean, 
Yeah, he had the big hook. The problem was that's about all he had. But and he also, I mean, the dude had heart. I mean, the night he fought Holmes, Holmes was probably at his best. He was yeah. never that good again. And that night, Cooney fought him tough for 13 rounds. Yeah, he and gave he, him a great fight. Down. I mean, he got up off the canvas. When, when did Mike Tyson ever get up off a canvas and win a round after that? Never. Never. No. And, I mean, there's a reason why Don King kept him away from George Foreman around 1990 to 95. Because I yeah, think Foreman was just too big and he had too much heart. And you're not going to hurt George Foreman by punching him once in the head. Yeah, any one punch from Big George could end it. <laughs> yeah, and my problem with the, with Tyson is this. It's not who he be. It's not the short thing. It's just I never saw him, as you said, with the criteria, overcome any adversity ever to win a fight. Right. He, he, You know, to give him credit, he would hang in there. You know, he would take the punishment, you know, except for that ridiculous ear-biting fight. Well, yeah, Danny Williams never... finished him pretty quick, too. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean Danny Williams I mean Danny Williams was a good he wasn't a bad fighter but if you're Mike Tyson even at that age you should not be getting knocked out in the third round by Danny Wilson and don't even get me started on what Kevin McBride and Brian Nielsen <laughs> you know if you're supposed to be a great heavyweight you don't lose to those white guys <laughs> and I can say that because I'm a white guy but well, once you once you were the heavyweight champion, once you start losing to white guys that aren't ranked, it's over with. <laughs> Just pack it up and go home. Yeah, yeah. The deal is done. <laughs> so we yeah, so we agree. Mike Tyson not in the top one hundred. No, but I do like to talk about it. So, and anybody out there listening that wants to have this discussion, you can get us on Twitter. I'm at RiverMonster11, or you can go to Mythical Boxing on Facebook, and you can challenge us to have this argument, and we will do that. I think Dave's in for that, right, Dave? Sure. Yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> but so next week we'll have to get together. We'll figure out a day. We'll go through your top ten. Sound good? Oh, sounds great. Sounds great. I appreciate it, Mike. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Remember, you were listening to Grueling Truth, brought to you by Gridiron Mo. Um, check out Gridiron Mo football app, best app you'll find on football for this year. You can actually sit down with your family, predict the next play, and compare it to everybody else in the country. Um, we will have Eris Persidis, or Persides, who is the owner of the Gridiron Mo app, or the founder, he will be on our show tomorrow night, last 15 minutes, when me and Matt, Andrew Scabbage, do our AFC preview for this upcoming season, where the New England Patriots will do what, Dave? Um, 11-5, and five, they win the division, they lose in the divisional round. To the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Possibly. Why are you laughing, Dave? Are you taking a shot at my team? No, I um, I'm not I'm not sure the Bengals are going to make it that far. But <laughs> why is that? They win their division easy. Their division's crap now. They're, well, Pittsburgh has no DBs, no defense. They can score a lot of points. They're going to give up a lot of points. Cleveland is Cleveland. Baltimore, I would worry mm. about just because they got John Harbaugh, but they lost a lot of players again. And how many times can you do that and keep recovering from mm. making the playoffs? But, yeah. That's Since another gotta, story. You can call in tomorrow and give us your New England Patriot preview. Hey, you know what? Fair enough. You, yeah. you want to do a weekly New England Patriots call-in show? That, that's a good idea, yeah. Okay, we will talk about that. I will call All you right. tomorrow sometime. 
seriously, because we're going to have we're probably going to have a Green Bay Packers show. We've got a Bengals show with me and former Bengal linebacker Joe Kelly. Um, Matt is doing a 49ers weekly show with Dexter Carter. So oh wow, maybe we can find you yeah. an old Patriot to do a show with, <laughs> and enough. we'll call it Cheaters. <laughs> no, that's, that's a that's I actually a like low, the Patriots. I don't care if they low. cheat or not. As long as you win, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you got to check out my Goodell versus Brady um, celebrity edition of Mythical Boxing. <laughs> okay. We got to have Brady against – did you say Brady against Goodell? Brady against Goodell. Yeah, that would probably be like Floyd fighting himself. We're just going to sit there and stare at each other. We both think we're too pretty to get hit. But, <laughs> but hey, guys, we're about out of time. We're going to go, remember, tomorrow night, AFC preview show with the Gridiron Mo and me and Matt Andrews-Cavage and our preseason predictions and rundown of all the teams in the AFC. Thursday night, former legendary pitcher Tommy John. Friday night, the International World Bowl Series weekly show. And then we'll be back next Tuesday night with our weekly boxing show and we will keep we'll keep you updated we'll come up for a day whether it's next tuesday or whatever to do dave sadurski from ringside reports top 10 boxers of all time so for everybody listening out there we will see you tomorrow night remember to check out the gridiron mo app so i want to thank my guest dave sadurski again from ringside report we will see you guys tomorrow night on the grueling truth where the legends speak It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.